Hello humans, hello humans. Still August 24th. It's about uh, 10 o'clock, so it didn't take all that long. Heading back out, <coughs> outward bound, in a uh, largish convoy of um, road equipment heading out to do some kind of a repair somewhere up north. This is um, pretty isolated, rough country up here. And if you head up into the Olympic Peninsula, um, you know, it's <laughs> very sparsely settled, to say the least. Uh, you know, there's roads and stuff up there and a few people that live up there, but not very many. Uh, but it looks like we've got some uh, major road work having to be done just to uh, maintain things here. The size of these rocks they're hauling north on the Lowboy trailers are, are larger than most SUVs. So there must be some kind of a hillside that's collapsed or they've got to install a new bridge or abutment or something. Anyway, thousands of pounds of gravel and rocks. Anyway, though, um, so outside of the chaos that's uh, indicated, the um, huge amount of release language pouring out in September, driven uh, a lot of it by the uh, economics and the financial and the fiscal problems that uh, affect everything else. Um, but uh, independent of the, uh, the fiscal stuff, we also still have a continuing uh, data line, uh, a thread of um, these sets that relate to uh, space aliens. So uh, we still have a lot of that stuff building up. The um, data suggests we're going to have some kind of reappearance. Re uh, uh, a rise of um, the space alien meme uh, back up into uh, public consciousness here around the 30th and it will be soon probably by the 6th or 7th or 8th of September be subsumed in the um, rising release language that, that comes to dominate in the latter half of September and then continues through the rest of the year. Uh, so during this period of time I expect the, uh, you know, the Ukraine military to collapse. That's going to cause all kinds of freakouts. Um, all kinds of freakouts. No point in even going there, really, discussing it. It's a, uh, it's the mother weffers, and they've got a, a, some severe issues as a result of their uh, attacks on Russia and the and the whole Ukraine business, right? Um, the Alright, so in some of the old data sets from like would have been picked up in about 2013 or so uh, we had a number of elements that uh, were suggested they would show up in 2016 uh, they haven't shown up until this year so we're looking at a 7-8-ish um, uh, year delta on a lot of these uh, in terms of when the reports were issued but maybe maybe as much as a 10-year delta off of when the data was actually um, taken up. So uh, I would get data that would start in, say, 2013, and it would uh, be persistent, show up as a set, but there might not have been enough um, 
uh, information around it to write about it, but I would see that every time I would do the run, that data set would still be there and it would grow, it would, it would alter, it would morph. I'd do the referential integrity checks on it to make sure it wasn't an artifact of the programming, which could happen. And um, uh, it would grow over time, and then I would get some level of, of um, uh, comfort in saying that this, this stuff was going to manifest. And then there was always the problem of picking out the timing. Okay, so in 2016, it was evident in the data that we were going to have issues with Oceana. Okay, which includes Hawaii, uh, includes Maui. And in 2016, we had reports that said that there was going to be an attack on Oceana by the powers that be, and that was going to create a lot of backlash. So that was, was put out as though it was going to happen in 2016. It has happened here now with the attack on Maui by the direct energy weapons. And so we have this delta from when the data first started showing up of about 10 years. Now, I can't use that 10-year period of time to do timing clues, right? I couldn't say that every other set that would develop would also have a 10-year period of time before it would manifest into reality. Um, some sets would manifest within, depending on when the language came in, uh, would, would manifest within days, weeks, or months and it would be quite clear and we would be done with them. Some of these longer term sets though, it's it's like basically a guess. We knew that it was gonna be um, beyond 19 months because we were dealing with very long term data and long term data was 19 months out to infinity. And uh, But within that huge range of 19 months away from the time the data was taken, which would have started in 2013, out to infinity is a big damn range and it's going to manifest in there at some point. So there's all these, um, not rules, but, but, um, cautions or, or design pattern, um, elements or guides to the design pattern or limits to the design pattern that I would try and apply it at certain points, right? Especially relative to timing. And it's always very difficult because the uh, feedback loop was, which would have been something manifesting and then noting the time it manifested, et cetera, et cetera, um, uh, was always a, um, uh, in, in cases of long-term data, it might be actual years. And so here we had a forecast that, that was forecast for 2016. It shows up in, in, um, 2023, we've got a seven-year delta on that, but actually it's a 10-year delta off the time that the data sets first started coming in. And um, the manifestation now, uh, either 10 years from the data or seven years from the report, because it took three years for that data to grow to the point where there was enough value uh, referenced in the numerics, uh, to suggest that it was going to be an actual manifestation, right? And then there was some, took those three years to suggest that, well, it's going to be in the future, it'll be out at least this far. And so in 2016, it appeared that we'd crossed that threshold, and so it was safe to report on the powers that be attacking the, uh, attacking Oceana, and, uh, the problems that would be caused from that. Um, but there was no way of knowing. It was out 19 months, but it was out beyond 19 months. And here we are, certainly beyond the 19 months when that was put out uh, as a report. 
and it's now manifested uh, seven years after that report. So uh, one might think that there might be a uh, some form of a consistent um, difference between the uh, proposed manifestation date and the actual manifestation date that could be uh, analyzed and determined. And maybe indeed we could do that, but it's not, it's, it's very, it's, it's variant. Okay. Uh, it varies greatly. So within the nature of the language, the subject matter, et cetera, et cetera, this was uh, these, uh, one-off episodes that are not part of, uh, otherwise building trends are very difficult to predict. So it was a, a one-off, a unique kind of a thing. We hadn't had a lot of, um, uh, language. It wasn't uh, about Hawaii, about Maui. There wasn't a, a long-standing uh, public uh, awareness of any forms of contention within the social order there uh, that would pre-say that this was about the point where tensions were going to boil over, a threshold would be crossed, and something would manifest. So this was a... Um, these are not unique events, okay? They have an aspect of being uh, singletons or... or uh, singularly self-contained kind of events. So this is a, an interesting thing in and of itself, right? Is the, the, the nature of the, uh, the sets that sometimes the data would present, oh, this is going to happen, boink, and that's it. And it's not surrounded by longer-term data in any um, meaningful fashion. Uh, it's not part of any other set. It just appears. It, it's standalone. It has enough value that... that um, uh, it grows over time, and it shows to the manifestation threshold, and, and you're just left wondering, okay, what? Now, there were a number of those within the data sets, and in the main, mostly, they have indeed uh, manifested, okay? Mostly, they indeed have shown up. Um, the language has been met, uh, although, of course, within the manifestation. So, I have probably had 50, maybe 80 words about the attack on Oceana. Not a description of the beaches, not a description of the um, directed energy weapons, uh, you know, or Oprah or Obama or any of these fuckers being involved. Now, they were involved. We knew that they were involved. They were in the category of the, um, the powers that be. So there are elements that are indeed um, accurate within the forecast. Uh, but the forecast at the time could not include... Um, all the really weird language that might have uh, guided us more towards directed energy weapons. Nor would it have done us any good, so to speak, in the, in the sense that even if we had known that there was going to be a directed energy weapon attack, there wouldn't have been anything you could have done about it, right? It's not like you can put on metal roofing and have it reflect the directed energy weapons. Now, I'll finish with this on the timing and then get into that for a second. But the So the timing aspect has always been a bitch. It's always just been um, uh, terrible in terms of uh, trying to manage this. It's obviously a much more complex uh, problem involved there than solving the issue of manifestation thresholds for um, emotional language. You know, at what point does the emotion reach the a threshold just ahead of the manifestation of that thing into reality? Like with a fight, you know, at what point do the words cross the threshold and the fist starts swinging? 
and if you knew the uh, the nature, if you could read the emotional tension in the people that, that you were you were looking at, if you had like an emotional tension meter that you could aim at them and, and get a reading, you would probably be able to see it escalate up, and then you'd say, "Aha!" You know, the threshold was 144. Whenever it got to 144 on this this particular meter, uh, the fist would start swinging. You know, regardless of the nature of the words, it's the emotional uh, tone underneath them that that pre says what's going to occur. And so timing is uh, something that, that is variant within that threshold being reached within each and every uh, situation. So the situations themselves are all unique relative to that, although they're all common. They all share this common uh, happenstance of the um, reaching a threshold and then something manifesting into our reality. So uh, anyway, so big problem and so on, but nonetheless, the, the language is there even though the timing clues are way off. And of course, you know, like we're inventing this stuff back in 1990s and 1993, uh, I got the idea and started inventing this stuff. So uh, it can be expected that it's going to take us a while to figure out what the hell we're doing. Anyway, though, so getting on to the directed energy weapons for a minute. Um, so these are not like lasers. Um, they may involve lasers at some point, uh, but the directed energy weapon itself is a what's known as a, a nanometer wave. Okay, so it's like smaller waveforms than you get in the microwaves. Uh, so it's but it's very much of a microwave kind of radiation that's coming out at you, and they shoot these things out of um, uh, tubes that have waveguides on them. Uh, in the tubes are either an airplane, so you could put them on a balloon, but you'd have to have all kinds of power to support it. Um, th that sort of thing, right? Uh, so the um, this is a known technology. We know who invents them. <laughs> we know who's building them. We know who has the patents on them, right? So if you wanted to go look up nanometer waves or nano waveguides or... Um, uh, sub-millimeter waves, uh, you'll see that you're going to end up with a bunch of uh, patents that are um, uh, going to Boeing, um, Lockheed Martin, uh, Raytheon, um, any number of uh, these very large corporations are involved in various aspects of this. So you can easily see how uh, Boeing airplanes could carry these things. You know, you open up a side door on a or a back door on a C-130. You maybe not even have to open the door. Maybe they're just mounted on the on the bottom of the plane, and you have a generator that provides the electricity, and then you shoot out all these waves. The waves come down, and they interact with the material down here. So they'll boil water if there's enough moisture in the air. Uh, so you won't get an energy uh, attack, uh, you won't get a dew attack on a day when there's lots of chemtrails because that would dissipate the energy and, and eat it all up and cause heating at a, um, uh, at, at a level right there in the atmosphere, not on the ground, right? And so, um, so you just, it just won't occur. You, you won't have those on uh, non-clear days. And the, um, I'm going to stop here for a minute put this on hold, I think. Anyway, though, the um, uh, the nanometer waves, when they react with the buildings and stuff, they react off of the metal. And in, in uh, organics, they're reacting off the flesh. And so that's why we have the um, 
particular kind of damage to the bodies that we have. They were not burned. Uh, so I've seen animals that have been caught in forest fires, okay? And so you would see, like, a, there was a, a picture of a dog from Maui, and the dog's perfectly preserved. He's in his, uh, he's dead, he's lying on his back, his legs are out and stiff and, and contorted and twisted, but the body is there. The hair is gone. It's not burned, though, okay? And there's no sign that it was was uh, incinerated by heat. Cause I've been in, I worked for, um, department of natural resources up here and went in with a couple of crews. I was an IT guy, but, um, I would always go out whenever I could, but I worked with a couple of crews that went out after uh, forest fires and cleaned up and you'd come across the bodies of animals. Um, you know, small squirrels, uh, raccoons, possums didn't make any, any difference. Really. They all had the same effect. They were all burned. They were like cooked. The fats were rendered out of them. None of that has happened in Maui. So anyway, I'm going to put this on pause for a minute, get this, and then head back out on the road. Be right back. Anyway, back again. Stop and get a little can of portable fuel here. Anyway, um, so the directed energy weapons interact with the power lines. They're going to interact with electricity. They're going to uh, not interact with a tree, right? There's not a lot of metals in a tree. <laughs> Far more metals in your body than you'll find in uh, most of the trees. Um, also, they're attracted to the uh, the water, right? And so uh, this is why the boats melted. This is why the, um, the railings on the uh, docks melted. This is why there was all the metal melt. This is why the power lines fell down. Um, and this is why we see all of these effects. And so... Um, I'm of the opinion that you could get some uh, forensic engineers, engineers that examine things after the fact, like bridge uh, disasters, that sort of thing. And you could do that with biologists and uh, energy people like Ken Schwartz at C60 Purple Power, right? Uh, he could probably go through there and he could probably do an analysis. He's got the skills and the uh, the schooling to be able to stand up in, in court and say that he has standing. That is to say that he's got a history examining these things and he could say that, you know, it is unlikely uh, that in, in the extreme that a fire over on the shore is going to melt the metal handrails on a dock that's uh, sitting out on the surface of the water some hundred feet away. Um, and the, even if the boats are melting and burning, they're still so far away that the distance from the fire to the metal railing would be such that the metal railing uh, that melted, which would require, you know, um, well, if it was aluminum it, to get through it, it would require 3,100 degrees. So there's the thing, guys. Um, if you're a welder, you know that in, when you weld aluminum, you've got to get through the aluminum oxide. That aluminum melts at a reasonably, it welds at around uh, 1,200 degrees. But to get there, you've got to get through the aluminum oxide, which is really tough stuff. And that, that requires that you go through 3,100 degrees. And all aluminum that's exposed, especially on the ocean, especially near the water, where you've got an ionic um, uh, uh, balance that's different over the land, will have thick layers of aluminum oxide. So you're really going to have to work at maintaining at least 3,100 degrees to get through that. Then, of course, it'll melt rapidly, right? And so um, 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 feet away from a boat fire, uh, from a boat that is melting on the water, so that matters because the water is going to suck up and dissipate uh, side heat from the fire itself. 
as the water dissipates it away, it'll provide moisture in the air, which will further degrade the ability of the heat to travel through the air to affect that aluminum railing hundreds of feet or 50 or even 20 feet away, right? And so the pattern of things here is, is definitely a uh, directed energy weapon. And like I say, I know scientists that can get out there and they could provide you with the uh, an understanding of what actually happened, of what actually went down. Uh, that it was not a uh, wildfire, it was not electrical lines, none of that was um, uh, uh, participatory. It was all ancillary to the effect itself and was used by the media and the powers that be to try and lay off the blame and create this and muddy the issue so that no one knows that this is a uh, directed energy weapon attack, right? And so... This was Pearl Harbor, thousands of people, a thousand uh, people missing, 500 of them children, hundreds dead. Uh, this was, in, in my way of thinking, this was worse than the original Pearl Harbor because, the, A, they're also trying to keep it secret. That, that I think, is um, a very evil part of all of this, right? And then the insurance company's not paying off on it. Why aren't they paying off on it, right? Well, their excuses are bullshit, but they know that it was a targeted hit. And and so they can't come out and say it's a targeted hit because those are actually excluded. Most of the um, insurance policies, if you go read the insurance policy on your house, you'll find out you're not covered uh, for acts of war. And so if your house were to be destroyed in, a, in an act of war, or even most people's houses would... Uh, not be paid off if it was an act of terrorism. And so in either case, if the powers that be were, you know, had officially declared war on the people of Oceania, which includes Hawaii, and then they attacked Maui, none of the houses would have been expected by the insurance companies to have to be paid for. But even in this situation where we've got this secret war going, even if they were to declare that this was as a result of an act of terrorism, they, that would also be an out for the insurance companies, right? So they're there for accidental kind of stuff, not for deliberate acts on the um, uh, part of another person, uh, especially the evil motherfucking WEF and, you know, Hillary Clinton and Obama and, and Oprah and all these other fucktards. Um, anyway, though, so... Uh, the directed energy weapon signature is quite clear. No, I don't think it came from space, right? There's issues with um, beaming uh, stuff, including uh, nano um, uh, meter waves uh, and, and having them be cohesive enough to be able to be effective. So your source for this has to be reasonably close. And if you look at Raytheon's uh, patents on directed energy weapons, uh, you find that they are anticipating that these things would be put into airplanes uh, so that they could get close enough to actually make it work. The nanometer waves are sent out through a long tube that aligns them, and then it goes through several waveguides uh, to emerge as a very tight beam uh, weapon that then will be anticipated to spread um, uh, on distance. And so you would know what your spread would be. So you know that if you uh, turn on your machine and start shooting this ray out your airplane, that, you know, um, 500 feet down, that uh, or that leaves the weapon and the size of the um, aperture hole for the, for the beam, for the directed part of the energy weapon, is um, maybe that's uh, as small as a millimeter across. It's not very big, right? Um, 
but at the time that at 500 feet out, that that thing that started off as a millimeter wide might be 100 yards wide, right? And so you would know that, oh, if I want to incinerate something, you know, 100 yards wide, I just have to fly my airplane 500 feet up and turn this machine on and fly over back and forth over the area I want to incinerate. It's not going to ha harm trees. It'll obviously fry a dog. Uh, you know, probably killed squirrels, probably killed vast quantities of insects in the, in the area, um, may have even damaged uh, stuff on the shore that got, or offshore slightly, that got hit by it because the, the uh, nanometer waves could be expected to penetrate some small distance into water. Small distance, right? Not, not many feet, but maybe a foot. So if, you know, close to the tide line, you may find that, you know, all the, if you had oysters there, maybe all the oysters are cooked, right? So all of the shellfish and the indigenous life along that shoreline that accidentally got touched by it, under the water even, would be affected. And so uh, it's not boiled or anything like that. It's just dead and killed because it uh, was like incinerated internally without any fire. So again, you'd have, you'd have evidence that this is not a, um, you know, there's not a brush fire. Uh, it was an attack. And the, now we're in this point where the media is fighting and pretty soon they'll probably have to come out and get some kind of officialdom support in this fight. Uh, that will say that if you say it's a do weapon in Hawaii, we're going to have to arrest you or we're going to have to, you know, throw your account off of Twitter or whatever the fuck, right? Uh, some kind of officialdom support for the narrative because so many people are now climbing on this and saying, hey, you know, shit ain't right here. This was not a brush fire, uh, you know, that somebody did something to these people. And we think it was, a, you know, this stuff that we're calling a do, a directed energy weapon. But, of course, you can go and look at Raytheon. They've been building these fuckers. They think they've got patents on this, uh, on the nanometer waveguide stuff uh, that goes back into the 60s. So, uh, you know, this is not a, um, not a fantasy. These guys uh, have this technology. Uh, they probably have, you know, they might have hundreds of airplanes fitted with this shit, for all I know. Uh, but it but it does exist and it's now being used against us <coughs> as the um, the communists decide that they're going to uh, you know uh, fight the people they always do this okay so communism rises and it's always against the people the they're it's always called a communist dictatorship because it's always a minority that's a, that gets the majority fractured to the point where they can assume control and then the majority has to eventually come together to get rid of them and in the Soviet Union it took them 72 years to do that uh, to you know throw out the revolution and get rid of all these fuckers um, we're going to do this much more rapidly. They've been working on us. Um, uh, well, actually, it was 72 years in Russia after they had succeeded. The, uh, the communist revolutionaries had started settling into Russia in the 1890s. Um, so the Russian Revolution, you know, 20 years later, uh, was done by people that had been seated uh, in that 20-year period of time within the population to do exactly this. So we've been under attack since, um, uh, for probably like the last 50 to 60 years, since since the late 50s, since McCarthy, uh, the McCarthy um, hearings and all of that, they were talking about the communist infiltration that was uh, 
overtaking the U.S. at that point. And then it went deeper to the point where we didn't see it. And that, but they're also not using the traditional communist stuff, which is uh, class warfare, economic class warfare. Here, they're trying to get it over uh, racial warfare. The problem is that you, you don't have a solution for racial warfare. In class warfare, communism could, could take over with class warfare on an economic basis because the solution was that the communist system made everybody equal, okay? And, and it removed the egregious uh, corruption that had led to the point that it had to come in. Uh, now they're not, they're not trying to bring communism in based on economics. They're trying to bring it in on race. And it's like, well, okay, after the communists take over, uh, you know, is, is Obama going to make us all black? Are we all equal thereafter? Uh, you know, are we all Mexican, you know, Hispanic, Latino? Uh, are we going to be Asian? What's the deal? Uh, you know, there is no solution that the communists can offer other than continual uh, constant strife and, and ultimately a race war. And, and there they've already told everybody so that if you're black or brown, we're going to go and kill all the whites so you guys stay on our side. And yeah, we sort of look white, but we're really Jewish or we're really Kazarian. We're not really white. So, so you don't have to worry. We'll be in charge, but we're not white guys. Okay. So anyway, um, this is the, the state of the uh, situation relative to communism and the, um, the attacks here. That's going to be coming out. So I think that as we get into September, maybe a lot more on this directed energy weapon stuff's going to come out, and a lot more people will start feeling that, uh-oh, we're being attacked by the powers that be, and they've got these secret weapons that can do this shit to us, and we'll never even see it coming. We just have to survive it and then retaliate afterwards. So now I'm waiting to the uh, at this point, we haven't had the retaliations yet, okay? Those are coming, in my opinion. So I, I, the data sets had always had that. Um, it was difficult to tell where the threshold would uh, be crossed. But at some point, there will be a threshold here, and I think we're very close to it. Maybe we're within a month or so. After that threshold is crossed, there is individual retaliation against these guys. And this is where it gets really interesting for the rest of the public, myself included, because we will get to the point where I don't know how soon we'll find out about these attacks and stuff that will come out. Maybe it'll have to be a month after or two months after. Maybe there'll be rumors. Maybe it'll come out because it'll be public. But we'll have situations where, like, uh, pick a powers that be guy, pick a Wefonian. It doesn't matter. You know, Klaus Schwab, George Soros, Bill Gates, Obama, Oprah, any of these fuckers that are in the quote, good club, they will be being attacked at a personal level. Their security people will be shot at. They will be shot at. Their cars will be attacked. There will be, um, uh, deliberate car crashes against them. Uh, there will be people that will try and burn their houses down while they're in them. All of this stuff's going to be going on. Now, a lot of this is also going to extend over to, now that it's going to be coming back up again, the shot givers. And so we're going to have a lot of people that are, will reach this pain threshold where it will distort their mind and they know they're dying from having taken the shots and they're going to start acting out. And they will have individual retaliation. So they'll shoot Go and shoot, you know, a local pharmacist that was given the shots, right? They'll go and shoot a doctor. They'll uh, go and try and take over a hospital and shoot multiple doctors. And it's um, it's not a generalized... Uh, the powers that be are going to make it out to um, 
right-wing extremists. They're going to say it's a, you know, uh, domestic terrorism and all of that. They're going to try and sell it. But you'll see uh, very quickly with these things that the individuals chosen as the targets for this are scaling up to the powers that be. They're scaling up into the WEF. And that marks the opening of the, um, or that marks the beginning of the opening war, of the open uh, war between the, quote, rulers, the elite, and the rest of the populace. And then we'll start seeing plane crashes, you know, and a lot of these fuckers are going to die uh, simply because they can't cover everything in their security systems and security people. They have to have those people allied with them. A lot of them won't be anymore. Uh, but also, they're going to have to, um, they can't handle everything. So uh, a security guy right now uh, for, let's say, Bill Gates, Bill Gates gets on a private airplane and he flies somewhere. His security guys go through and they do their regular routines and stuff. They can't monitor the fuel that goes into the plane. They can't monitor the guy who does the maintenance on the plane. And he knows it's Bill Gates' plane. And he's got a shot because he was forced to take it. And he's ill and he's dying. And he says, oh, fuck it. You know, I'm going to just shave 1,200 feet off of this altimeter under this certain range. So once it drops below 3,600 feet, all of a sudden, 1,200 feet goes away. Then what's the pilot going to do? Major freak out. Ultimately, there's going to be a crash because he can't land because he doesn't know how high he is. And so that would be the kind of thing we're going to see is these crashes and stuff that will be, quote, unexplained, but it'll start taking out a lot of the powers that be, guys. Anyway, guys, I'm back home now. I'll get this stuff uploaded. What a day. <laughs> anyway, talk to you later. It's going to be a, a really strange fall in next year. Uh, as we get into sci-fi world. And this is really the transition into that over these next couple of years. All right, that's it.